You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. I sure do appreciate uh, the fellowship around this church. I, uh, folks genuinely do love one another, um, and that's a blessing, amen, because I'm glad the Lord loves us and uh, we ought to love one another. And Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, because you have love one for another. And the kind of love that the Lord has for us is an unconditional love. Uh, and I thank the Lord for that. In fact, I'm reading through the book of Jeremiah right now, and I just came to the passage where the Bible speaks of God's everlasting love. But if you look at the context where the Bible says, I've loved thee with an everlasting love, uh, and with, uh, with, this, with the loving kindness I have drawn thee, when you look at that context, you study what God's talking about around there, it's when God is looking forward to the, to the day when Israel will be restored to Him as well as the nations. Uh, and I'm telling you, God's heart is with people. God's heart is with uh, seeing people come to Him. Uh, sin, uh, somebody said it this way, sin not only breaks God's law, but it breaks God's heart. Um, but what, uh, the reason I was saying that and the thing that dawned on me, I shouldn't say dawned on me, but I just saw again in that passage was when you read those verses and the chapters around that part in Jeremiah, you can hear the words of God. You can hear God's longing for seeing people put back in a right relationship with Him. Uh, because throughout, this cha- throughout the book of Jeremiah, he's pronouncing judgment and judgment and judgment. And God will judge sin. God absolutely will judge sin. But the point is, is he's like, man, I just want you to be right though. He says, I don't want you to go that way. I want you to go this way. See, the way God does it is he, say, he says it this way. I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. <clears throat> choose life or choose death. He gives the decision to us. So see, because you read through the Old Testament, people say, oh, that was a, oh, that God. The Old Testament God was a mean and terrible God. He's the same God that he's always been. But what we read about is His judgment. But you know when you read about His judgments? When people refuse to choose the right way? Because here's the thing. God God does not force you. You have a choice. You have a decision to make. So God has made it to where you can make a decision. But here's the thing. If you choose the wrong decision, there's consequences down that road. If you choose the right decision, there's blessings down that road. And so God wants people to make the right decision, believe me. Uh, but anyway, if you would turn over to the book of Daniel, chapter number 3, and I'll give you my uh, message that, that, uh, that I'd love to share you with. I'd love to share with you a principle this morning. There's uh, hardly a better place to perhaps to discuss this principle than in Daniel chapter number 3. It's a familiar passage to many of you. Or at the very least, maybe a familiar story here in the book of Daniel chapter number 3. Uh, I want to uh, give you this principle. I want to give you uh, these verses and uh, hope that it will be a blessing to you. To me, this is, this is a life-changing uh, message. And, and ultimately, I'm going to get to the point to where I'm going to ask you a very important question as a, as a child of God. As a child of God, and if you're here today and you're not saved, uh, boy, I hope that you can know the Lord before you leave today. But if you're saved, uh, we have a, uh, there's a very important question that's raised uh, in this chapter that we need to ask ourselves. But first of all, let's look in Daniel chapter number 3. And I want to read... Let's see, let's go back... Uh, let's start with verse 15, just to give a little bit of context. Um, Let me tell you where we are to get up to verse number 15. Nebuchadnezzar has made a golden image 
Uh, man, I could go on with this because the interesting thing about this golden image is it's, it, it's a dream that Nebuchadnezzar had been having that had been bothering him. And it was an image that had a head of gold and you know shoulders of iron and it goes on down all the way till it had feet of clay. And you'll still hear that terminology from time to time. So-and-so has feet of clay. But that goes back to this image uh, that Nebuchadnezzar dreamed about, uh, this terrible image. Which the awesome thing about that is right here in the book of Daniel, uh, the Bible tells us uh, how the kingdoms of the world are turning out. The kingdoms that came after Daniel, the kingdoms that are to come. Uh, and so it's a pretty awesome, amazing thing, this book of prophecy. Uh, but, it's a, but you see Nebuchadnezzar's pride because what was revealed to him is that the Babylonian kingdom over which he was the ruler was the head of gold. Well, that wasn't good enough for uh, Nebuchadnezzar. He made this whole image of gold. He's like, my kingdom's not ending. This kingdom is going to be a kingdom that stands. So he made this image of gold. Not only did he make this image of gold, but he made this great image of gold. And then there was the order when the music played, all had to bow down to this image. And if you did not bow down to this image, there were consequences. There were consequences. And so you get it to the story. You have three men that did not bow. And then in verse 15, they're going to give them another chance to bow. They didn't bow the first time. Now he's going to give them another opportunity to bow. Verse number 15. Now, if ye be ready, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made well. But, if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said unto the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. There's a whole other message that we could preach and stop right there and preach a message on I will not bow down. Amen. Uh, they'll try to, this world tries to get you to bow down. But do you know the reason? What's the reason that these three Jewish men would not bow down before this image? Anybody? This golden image bowing down before it? Uh, that ought to ring a bell with some of you. What is it, Atreyu? Second commandment? Uh, you, shall not bow, you shall not make any under the any graven image. You shall not bow down. So these boys said, God said that it's wrong. Therefore, we're standing with God. We will not bow. And they says, but, but the, the cool thing is they said they won't bow, but they was respectful. Amen? You can take a stand. Young people, you can take a stand and still be respectful. Amen? We can take a stand on our jobs and still be respectful and treat people right. But he says, we're not careful to answer thee in this matter. But verse 17 is our text. First, we're just going to read the first part of this verse. If it be so, our God, whom we are able, or who we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And He will deliver us out of thy hand, O King. Now, I want you, if you will, for a moment, if you know the rest of the story, I want you to pretend like you don't know the rest of the story. Because too often times we know the rest of the story and we think that they knew the rest of the story. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not know the rest of the story. All they, they were at the place and time where they were at. And I want to preach on their perspective. The perspective they had as they stood there that day for God is a perspective that really keeps many people going for God. Helps 
God's people to continue to stand for God. What is it? That our God is able. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that a, a great thing? I, there's, a, there's a great message from years ago. I'd encourage you to look it up sometimes. Harold B. Seitler preached a message that uh, the, the heathen asked the question, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? And the whole message was God can. Amen? The world says can God. We say God can. Amen? God is able. And so, real quickly here, we'll see their position. Their position was a known position. Their position was an unpopular position. It is not always popular to stand for God. Uh, but I'll tell you this, their position was a sure and a steadfast position. So we see their position, we see their problem. Nebuchadnezzar didn't get all giddy and excited and say, what a blessing to see some people that will take a stand. No, he said, you're going to die for this. You're going to burn for this. You're finished because of this. I mean, listen, their problem. But notice this, They're, they had a problem, but then they remembered God's ability. Folks, God is able to make everything. He's able to destroy the earth, but save Noah. He's able to open up the Red Sea. He's able to bring down the walls of Jericho. He's able to make a Jewish girl queen of Persia. He's able to bring down Goliath. Aren't these the things that we take so much courage in? Our God's able! My God's able. So you and I face problems. You and I face difficulties. And one of the things that keeps us going, and we come and we say, pray, I'm going through a difficult time. I'm facing some difficult circumstances. But God is able. I'm, I'm going to keep on going because I know God's able. I know God's able to answer my prayer. See, that's where these men stood. They said, we, we know that our God's able. So what were they saying in that? They knew that the fiery furnace was looming. They knew the fiery furnace was burning. But you know what they also believed? Just as God delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt, perhaps God would deliver them right out of this situation. Maybe like with Elijah, he would send, uh, he would send a, a chariot through to divide them from uh, their captors and, and then a whirlwind take them up to heaven. Perhaps God would cause a flood to come and, 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 and quench the fires of that flame. They didn't know, but folks, God is always doing wonders, amen? We, we're encouraged by the things that God does that we can't explain. And how that God shows up and He's on time and all these things. And we rejoice in these and we should. Why? Because our God's able. Amen. So they didn't know, but they thought, you know what? Our God's able to deliver us from this furnace, King. That keeps us going. So our God is able. But I like this. They go on to say, and He will deliver us out of thy hand, O King. So they said, whether God delivers us or whether we die, we're delivered. Amen? We're, we're, we're either delivered in this life or we're delivered in the life to come. So we see their, their position, their problem. But then notice this, the, the, the possibility. Because for us, again, we're often in the same time. Listen, He can deliver us from oppression. He can keep His people from persecution. Jesus teaches us to pray, deliver us from evil. Why? Because God can. But listen, but all of, of this is easy to say when we're not suffering or we're not threatened. Folks, God, it's, it's hard or it could be easy to say that God is sovereign over my cancer. But it's difficult, even harder to say God's sovereign over my wife's cancer or my loved one's cancer. This illness that you may be going through. 
That's hard to say. And what do people say? I'm trusting God to heal me. Why? Because He's able to. He's able to. Uh, But see, the the, the glorious truth of God's sovereignty can be hard to look at in, in these difficult times in our life. See, Scripture is full of examples of people who trusted the Lord for miracles and the Father obliged them. It also speaks of those to whom He gave great grace to face the harshest realities. In Hebrews 11, some experienced the miracle of the lion's mouths being shut. God shut the mouths of lions when people were to be fed to the lions. But others were sown asunder. Literally put inside of a hollow log and they would just saw the log while the person was bound in that log. So some He would deliver from the mouths of lions. Others would have to go through these difficult uh, situations. And Acts 12 uh, tells the story of a miraculous delivery of Peter from Herod's dungeon. Yet prior to that story is the verse that says James, the brother of John, was run through with the sword. See, the the, the statement that's made here in verse number 18 is the statement, it's it's a dividing point of the type of Christian you're going to be. It's not too hard to be the kind of Christian that says, it's hard, but I'm believing God. It's difficult, but I know God's able to turn this thing around. But I tell you, it's a whole nother level to get to verse 18. But if not. But if not, they say, be it known unto thee, O king. (laughs) Be it known unto thee. We will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. I mean, see, when when we consider this just for a moment... I mean, it's easy sometimes to say God's able, but what if God doesn't work in the way you think He's going to work? I was reminded of this again the other day. Someone mentioned a prayer that was answered. It was a prayer of God's able. Amen. I like those, don't you? It's a prayer of God's able. God did it. God worked a miracle. And somebody said, boy, God's good. And I say, amen. But guess what? If God hadn't answered that prayer the way you think He ought to answer that prayer, you want to know something? God's good. Big statement though, isn't it? And it's easy for me to get up here and preach. Don't, don't, don't think that I'm somebody that's condescended out of some perfect world to be able to preach this to you today. I'm, we, we have the same struggles. But what I'm telling you is this principle that helps us if we can just answer the question, but if not, here's the message, here's the question, then what? But if not, then what? See, because there's far too many people that say, I'm believing, I'm believing. God's able, God's able. That prayer is not answered the way you think it ought to be answered. You know what happens to some of those people? They're no longer sitting on these seats. That's right. That's right. They're no longer being faithful to God. They're no longer standing. Yes. Because they never took time to ask themselves the question. I'm reminded of. uh, I I was going to. I got several illustrations in my notes, but there was a man. By the name of, uh, of uh, Eli Z- uh, Ziera, he was promoted to oversee the, the, dic- the dic- dic- dictator 
uh, dictatorial of military intelligence. He was over military intelligence for Israel. He was responsible for warning the country's leaders if enemies were about to attack. Uh, Zaira's appointment came half a decade after the 1967 Six-Day War in which Israel, in a stunning preemptive strike, had captured the Sinai Peninsula, the Golan Heights, and uh, other territory from Egypt, Syria, and Jordan. The nation was left with anxiety over reprisal. So the Six-Day War, they claimed what was theirs, knowing that all these wanted to get it back. Okay, so that had been going on for, for about 10 years. Now, uh, so one of the things, that there was a lot of fear there. People would, uh, in the intelligence community, you know how we have the, 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 threat, the terror threat levels? You know, and I don't even remember what they are anymore, but there was different levels. Here's the, the threat level today. Well, they would do that, and, and, and constantly there was these threats, and so constantly they would go on high alert. Call up the National Guard. It would be a, a false Alarm and so forth. Uh, and so finally, Ziera come in and he, he, he developed a criteria which became known among intelligence officials as the concept. He, erred, he argued that the Six-Day War, that, Israel's, that during that time, Israel's superior air power, arsenal of long-range missiles, and battlefield dominance had so thoroughly embarrassed their enemies that no country would attack again unless they had an air force powerful enough to protect ground troops from Israeli jets and scud missiles capable of hitting Tel Aviv. And without these conditions, Zaira said the threats of Arab leaders were nothing more than words. And so, in other words, anytime there would be a threat. And so what began to happen is they began to amass along the borders of, of, of Israel, running military drills. Go to my ear, the, 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 the prime minister of Israel and other leaders were like, man, we better get the, the troops called up. We better get ready. He said, nope, no need to get ready. Egypt doesn't have an air force that can contend with ours. They don't have missiles that can hit Tel Aviv. All this is is saber rattling. They're just trying to scare us. They're just trying to intimidate us. And, and so many times he had been right about this. But this time he was not right. And what, what came after that was about two and a half to three days of the Yom Kippur War to where Israel was being overrun and defeated before they were finally able to come back during the Yom Kippur War. Before he got into this position, though, he would carry a, po a, a pocket or a, a, a note in his pocket. And on that little note, it would just say, and if not, and if not. He said that note was a talisman, a reminder that the desire to get something done to be decisive can also be a weakness. So what he said was that he failed to read that little note leading up to the Yom Kippur War. And the point of that is this. Sometimes we need to ask our questions, and if not, and if not, what if God doesn't come through the way you want Him to come through? What then? What then? See, God's able to work in, in the affairs of men. I mean, God is able to work. God is able to move. But I'm telling you, He does so on His timetable. He does so with His wisdom. He does so in a way that only He can work and move. Uh, there, there, there's another great story. If you'll forgive a couple of my illustrations. I love history and stuff, so you just got to bear with me. It comes out of my preaching sometimes. But in, in May of 1940, the dreaded German Panzer Division had swept across Europe. Uh, Britain had just entered the war less than a year earlier uh, against Germany. The British and French generals thought that the narrow twisting roads and the paths through the Ardennes 
the Arden forests were too small to allow the mass movement of large German tanks and machinery. However, however, German general Heinz Gerderan uh, managed to maneuver the large tank force through the Arden and was already was all ready to strike. The German planes were bombing and uh, and, and strafing, and with a huge tank uh, and, and tank force in place, the British and French armies would be lucky to last a day. They were as good as dead. This was in Dunkirk, and there was a, a film made about this. But the British commander uh, was able to get a communique back to Britain that consisted of just three words. And so here they were, the German Panzer Division coming down on them. The German Air Force about to... And listen, this is a coastal town. They have no escape. They are, they are sitting ducks. They will be dead in, in probably a day. That German unit will be able to wipe them out. But he was able to get a, a message out to commanders. And here was what the message said. But if not, that was it. He sent three words to command, but if not. You know what he was referring to? He was referring right here to Daniel chapter number 3. And they knew it. Because what they were saying was this. We're here. We're going to stand. And we hope that you can get deliverance here. We hope that you can help us. But let, let it be known unto you. Our army, our soldiers, we're ready. But if not, we will stand in the face of this tyranny. We will stand in the face of those tanks. We will stand. If not, and what happened there, and it's, and it's an awesome story, as you know, uh, or many of you know, many of you may not know, but I'm telling you, that, that, that became a rallying cry throughout the war. But if not, but if not, why? Because they were going to stand regardless. And of course, the way the story goes, Hitler in his arrogance and foolishness uh, held off, and it was a blessing to them, but he held off the general from going into Dunkirk. It allowed three days for them to almost rescue everybody off that island. Commercial boats and everybody got involved. It's, a, it's an awesome story. But it became, a, it became a rallying cry. But if not, no matter what, no matter what the overwhelming whelming odds are, but if not, we will continue to stand. We will not acquiesce. We will not bow down. And so, but if not, then what? Do you feel like you're sliding down the chute into the furnace? Do you feel like you're already standing in the flames which are burning seven times hotter than usual? Do you feel like you, you uh, simply cannot keep going? Do you see that fourth person standing in the flames with you? Do you see him sympathizing? Because that's where this whole thing is going. My friend, listen, as we consider what the Bible has to say about the, uh, about then not, think about them standing there. Other Israelites uh, lay prostrate around them. They stood alone, sounding the proclamation of faith available to us today. My God will deliver me. But if not, I will still trust Him. But listen, the Lord is strong enough to rescue me if He chooses, but if not, I will not give in to my sin. My God is able to heal me. But if He decides, uh, if he decides uh, it best... For him for not to heal me, I will know that I am not forsaken by my God. But if not, I will not forsake my God. I will not forsake my faith. My God can undo this disability if He speaks the Word. But if not, I will trust in the God who's able to raise me from the dead. But if not, uh, listen, we can join the faithful and say, Take my Isaac, 
Take my family and my servants. Take my health from me and I shall sing it is well with my soul. I will contend that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I will reason. I will consider the present sufferings as light and momentary compared to what awaits me. I will resolve although the earth quake and the mountains be thrust into the sea. I will not fear nor be moved. But if not, we can still stand. But if not, there's one thing for sure. But if not, God is still good. On, from God's perspective. But if not, then what? I'll tell you one thing's what for sure. God's still good. He's still powerful. He's still all wise. He's still all loving. But if not, if God doesn't do answer the prayer that I think He ought to, the way He ought to answer it, you want to know something this morning? I know one thing: my God still loves me more as much as He's ever loved me, which is far beyond comprehension. And somehow, my God, in His wisdom, knows that not answering my prayer the way I'm praying it is best. See, we live we live in a day and age, folks, to where there's there's these people out there that treat God like a little genie in a bottle. You know, oh Lord, I believe hard enough, and boom, here comes out God, and okay, I'll do whatever you say. I don't want a God that I'm smarter than. I don't want a God that I know better than. I'm glad I don't have a God that I know better than. My God knows best, amen. My God is proven. My God has never failed. And He's not going to start with me. And He's not going to start with you. He cannot fail. He cannot not love you. I don't think I said that right. But you understand what I'm saying? He loves you. Nothing can change that. He cannot make a mistake. He cannot be unwise. He can't say, man, I dropped the ball on that one. God does not lose focus. I lose focus. If you don't believe that, listen to me preach sometime. Amen. I lose focus, squirrel. You know, I mean, it's just, uh, my neck hurts sometimes. I get it drawn every which way. But God never loses focus. He knows exactly what He's doing all the time. So if not, we know some things about our God. Amen. But the question's not about our God, it's about you. May we be able to say these things with the help and grace of God. I mean, may we be able to be willing by God's grace to say, I will not run. I will not hide. I will boast in my weakness. I will tell my mockers, though He slays me, yet will I trust Him. I will state plainly, I know my Redeemer liveth. And I will pray, oh, uh, and, and, and I will ask and trust, uh, Lord, deliver me from evil. I will pray, Father, let this cup pass from me. I will pray, oh God, let let me, let me not be put to shame. Uh, let me not be to shame. Let not my enemies triumph over me. But I will also pray, but not my will, but yours be done. And when I despair of life itself, I implore my Savior, satisfy me in the morning with your steadfast love. And when doubt tempts me, I will pray, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. And should my enemy prevail over me in this life, should they pelt me with rocks, standing, uh, stand, sending me to the rock of ages, I will pray, Lord Jesus, have mercy on them. And Father, into your hand, into thy hands, I commend my spirit. And so we see, uh, we, we see their stand, and we, so we see their position, we see their problem. But I'm going to tell you something, folks. We see something else here. 
But if not, then what? That's the question you've got to ask yourself. God's able to deliver us. We might not even face the flames, brother. I can see them looking at each other. Maybe they even discussed it. I wonder what God's going to do. I wonder how God's going to do it. I wonder if God will just make, I wonder if God will just send down lightning from heaven and just strike Nebuchadnezzar there on the spot. You know, and just reveal to everybody that we're the ones that were right. I wonder if God will send an angel from heaven. I wonder what God will do. And maybe as they stood there, they, they wondered these things. But they did say this, but if not, we will stand. Be it, be it known unto thee, O king, we will not bow down unto thy image. Which thou hast set up. Now, notice quickly with me, verse number 19. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and to cast them into the fiery furnace. Then, those, uh, then these men were bound in their coats, their hose, and in their hats, and their other garments, and, was ca- and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent, and the, the, the furnace exceeding hot, and the flame, uh, the, that the flame fl- slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Verse 23, And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. See, now all along this way, God, do you want to know something? God did not deliver them. This God that's able did not deliver them from this fire. Here it is. They're going down right now. I don't know. Perhaps it was too late. But I wonder along the way as they were being dragged, if if one of those would have spoken up and said, Wait, king! I'll bow down. I wonder if the king would have maybe allowed them to do that. But none of them did. They stayed faithful even though it meant getting dragged, getting bound. Can you imagine the terror? Getting bound, getting dragged down. I don't know that they were dragged. Maybe they were walked. But they were taken down to this fiery furnace. Can you imagine as the men were throwing them in, the heat was so hot it it killed those men. Oh my friend, listen, what, what a terrible thing. But here, as we look and as we consider, that's not the end of the story, amen? And that will not be the end of your story. It may very well be God will not answer the prayer in the way you think He should answer it. Oh my God's able. I'm looking to God to do this. But what if He don't? What if He don't? We need to determine right now. But if not, I'm staying faithful. If not, I'm going to continue to trust Him. Why? Because that's not the end of the story. Amen? That's not the end of the story. When you get down and... uh, where were we at here? Verse number 26. The Bible says, Then Nebuchadnezzar came near the mouth of the... Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I skipped it, didn't I? Let's go back to uh, uh, verse 24. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished uh, and rose up in haste and spake and said unto the counselors, Did not we cast three men bound, in, uh, bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He's having trouble with his math. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose. Loose. See, this world will bound you. Sometimes getting in the fire, man, you'll get free. Amen. I mean, listen, walking in the midst of the fire. And they have no hurt 
And the form of the fourth is like unto the Son of God. <laughs> oh, my friend, listen to me. What happened there? God said, Hear that, Lord, you're able. But the whole time God said, Oh, yeah, I'm able, but I'm going to do something I've never done before. See, you're praying and you're trusting me to do this and, and to deliver you and send an angel and send a whirlwind and send a chariot or, or whatever. But God says, oh no, I'm going to do something else. Amen. I'm not going to deliver you from this. I'm going to deliver you through this. Amen. Are there not those among us that can testify of the miracles of being delivered through? There's some that, that wish they could have been delivered from. There's still ho some hoping they could be delivered from. But that's not always God's will. Sometimes He performs the miracle of delivering you through it. And as, and as you're delivered through it, here's the thing about it. You always have an audience. <laughs> Amen! You always have an audience. Well, what I mean by that is this. You may be going through the toughest trial of your life. God did not answer your prayer in the way you thought He was going to answer your prayer. God did not deliver you in the way that you hoped that He would. But guess what He is doing? He's walking with you. Amen? Right. He's going through this with you. And, and that's exactly what happened. And there's somebody in this world saying, man, look at that. Right. There's some family member that you've prayed for that's saying, man, who's that walking with them? Who's that walking with her? What's that going on in her life? See, because what you'll find out in this passage is that, yes, uh, you'll always have an audience, but I've already kind of alluded to it. The Bible, the Bible says here in verse number uh, 26, Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth of the midst of the fire. Because here's a great principle, folks. And understand the, 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 the application I'm trying to make to this. That fire was a burning. They went into the fire, and no sooner as they got there, Nebuchadnezzar's looking over in there, and he says, how many do we put in? It was three, wasn't it? But there's four there. And so he saw the fourth man. He says, that looks like the Son of God. I, I don't know what he looked like, but it looked like something that stood out. Amen. And they're walking around. By the way, I just got to say, man, that had to be some kind of time. Because yeah. what you find out in this passage is, Nebuchadnezzar, they, they open up that furnace, they let these boys walk, walk out of there. Amen. Unlike a lot of people I know, they didn't even smell like smoke when they came out. <laughs> they were not even singed. There was no burn on them whatsoever. But I imagine as they walked around in there, man, that had to be something. They were walking in there with the Lord. They were walking with Jesus in the fire. I'm not sure they were too happy when they let them out. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> See, the Apostle Paul prayed three times. Lord, deliver me from this. Three times the apostle prayed, take this thorn from my flesh, God, please. These heretics and these, uh, these uh, reprobates that teach, oh, if you just have enough faith. No. You're telling me you can have more faith than the apostle Paul? If you have enough faith and you ask God, He'll do it. Oh, you asked me He didn't do it? You must not have had enough faith. Man, you've got to get back in the Bible because Paul prayed three, prayed three times. By the way, three times, God didn't even answer him. 
By the way, God always answers. Did you know that? Amen. It's either yes, no, or wait. Amen? He always answers. Sometimes His answer is nothing at the moment, but that just means to wait. Amen. But He prayed three times, and God said, here's what He said to him. He said, My grace is sufficient for you. I am not answering your prayer. And you know what Paul said? Paul was now in the fire. And you know what he said? Man, don't take this thorn from me, please. Because through this thorn, man, I've experienced power with God. Lord, please leave it. And he says, man, I'm going to boast in this. Man, Paul, you're sick and you're feeble and you're going through so much difficulty and so forth. And he says, yes, I am. Yes, I am. Now, I'm not saying that's an easy place to get you to get to, but I'm telling you, I believe that we can get there. Why? Because God brought Paul there. If God could bring Paul there, God could bring you there. He could bring me there. And so, uh, so the Lord walked through it with them. And then, of course, that's the whole picture. That's the whole idea. The old story is this. They went into the fire. Number one, Jesus was waiting there for them. See, some of you don't know it, but what you're begging God for right now is to be delivered from a, uh, from a miraculous, wonderful walk with the Lord. That's right. The Lord's there waiting on them in that fire. He's waiting. He's like, man, I can't wait. I cannot wait. I can't wait to see the look on Shadrach's face, man. When he gets down in here and he, and he, hits, he hits the ground and lands like this... The bands fall off and he looks, he looks me. I can't wait to see the look on his face. Oh, what, how that's going to be. But what if old Shadrach would have decided to bow down? But if not, what if he decided to quit instead because God didn't do it the way he wanted? And God said, no, just keep on going. Don't give up. Don't quit. I've got something waiting for you. So let me tell you something. If you're going into the fire, I want you to know, here's the good thing. Glory to God. He may not answer it the way you want to, but you know what he will do? He's going to answer it. He's going to, he's going to do something even greater. He, it's not that he's forsaken these boys and just let they, I can't believe God let them go through that. Oh no. God was God didn't get go with them up to that point and then let them go. No, God was there waiting for them when they got in that fire. Here's the good news. Three went in, three came out. Where'd the fourth one go? You know what? He's still there. He's still there. Now, understand I'm speaking typology here. I'm saying this, that when you get in the fire, guess who's going to be there? He'll be there. Amen? He was there waiting. He's there waiting for you. Listen, it may be that God's going to answer your prayer. God is able. But sometimes God says, yeah, you don't know what you're praying. I don't know. This. Can you imagine if, if, if it hadn't happened this way? See, God's going to do something in your life we talked about Mary, Martha, and Lazarus a couple weeks ago. I mean, God wants to do a wonder in your life. You're saying, Lord, I want you to do for me like I've seen you do for so many others. God says, but I'm going to do something for you that I've never done before. Amen. God, I remember you've delivered me in times past. I need you to do it again. God says, yeah, well, I want to deliver you in a way you've never been delivered. I want to deliver you through this. I want to build you up. I want to perform a miracle in your heart and life. Oh, my friend, listen. God will walk with you. God will go with you through these things. And so, uh, listen, they went with the Lord. And I'm telling you, the Lord will go with you. And then notice their, their promotion. We, we read verse 26. But when you, when you go through this passage, what you'll find out is these boys got elevated. They got a promotion. The Lord raised them up. 
And I, I like the words that Churchill said after they were encouraged just, just months into uh, the, the Second World War with Germany. They were encouraged by those words, but if not. And here's what, we, what he said, being inspired by those words. We shall go to the end. But if not, what will we do? We're going to go to the end. We shall fight in France. We shall fight on the seas and oceans. We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall defend our island. Whatever the cost may be, we shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. And even if... And even if, which I do not for a moment believe, this island or a larger part of it were subjugated and starving, then our, then our empire beyond the seas, armed and guarded by the British fleet, would carry on the struggle until, in God's good time, the new world, with all its power and might, steps forth to rescue and the, and, and, and the liberation of the old. And, and, and that's to say, what he's just saying is this. But if not, we're going to keep on fighting. If not, we're going to keep on standing. If not, we're going to keep on serving. If not, we're going to keep on witnessing. You know what? I'm going to go witness to somebody. And I believe somebody's going to get saved this week, preacher. That's wonderful. But what if they don't? I'm never trying that again. I invited this person to church and I'm sure they're coming. And man, the Lord's working on their heart and they need to be saved. And man, I've had that feeling. I've had that feeling where I stand right out here outside this door. Not this one in particular, but outside the church door and looking. Man, I can't wait. Dan, they told me they were coming today. I've been praying for them. Man, I've been having y'all praying for them. They don't come. What do you do then? Do you quit and get discouraged? What happens if God doesn't heal you? God, what happens if God does not work things the way you think He's going to work things? Oh, I've got this vision. Man, I always try to encourage everybody, every, all, all the workers and the leaders in our church. Anytime somebody begins to work in ministry, one of the first things I tell every last one of them, especially if it's like a Bible study or something where they're counting on people to come together and things like that, I say, hey, man, one thing you've got to promise me is that you're doing this for the right reason. You're doing this because God wants you to. And whether there's one that comes, whether you're the only one that shows up, or whether there's a hundred that come, man, that, that you're saying, oh, but, but preacher, I think this is really going to go awesome. I really think this is going to take off. Yeah, but, but if not, Amen. That's good. then what? What if it ain't going the way you ought to go? What if the church don't go that way? What if your life, what if your marriage isn't going that way? You know what? Keep on going. Because I'm telling you, God will bring you through. Amen? But if not, then what? Let's all stand, please. I want to tell you what's happened with some of you. You've perhaps stopped short. Perhaps you've bowed down. Perhaps you've quit standing. Perhaps you've quit believing. And... If, if that's the case, man, maybe you stopped short of what God was wanting to do in your life. Right. You stopped short of the miracle. Right. And you get aggravated and discouraged with God. And God's saying, honey, if you'd have just took a few more steps, if you'd have just gone a few more days, man, you would have seen. You would have seen. Let me tell you something. It's not too late for you. And I'm not standing up here as somebody that's perfected anything. Anything good anyway, perhaps. But I can tell you this. 
I say that to say this. Sometimes the challenges and difficulties we face, some of you have been turned away and turned off from trusting in the Lord. And I understand that. But I want to promise you today, I I cannot promise you that circumstances are good. I cannot do that because they're not. I cannot promise you that life's good. I can't promise you that you're going to feel good. I can't promise you any of that. But one thing I can promise you is God is good. God is good. And He loves you. And that's never, there's nothing that's ever changed that. He cares about you today. You may question that because it can be easy to do so. But He does love and care about you today. It would have been real easy for these boys, wouldn't it? I don't understand why I'm going through this. Why? We don't always not understand why. But you know one thing I want to tell you about this world and about life in some circumstances? Not everything that happens in this life is the will of God. Some people, people think that. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, I mean, God can have His will in everything that happens, but we live in a world where people make their own choices. We live in a world where people die. Folks, God doesn't kill everybody that dies. People die. This world is not the way God made this world to be. This world is a world that's been tainted by sin. This is not the way the world God intended the world to be. The death and the sorrow and the separation and the pain. There's coming a day, amen? There is coming a day. But in this day, folks, this is a day that's being ruled by man. The Bible calls Satan the God of this world system that's, that we live and operated in. Maybe get mad at the devil instead of God. And trust God because I promise you he's good. I promise you he loves you. I promise you he's wise. I promise you he's all powerful. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll help us, God, during this time. Lord, it's easy to get up here and preach about these things. But it's a lot harder to live these things. And as I stand here, God, I pray you'll help me not to be a castaway. Help me not to be disapproved. Help me, God, to be able to stand and to be able to say, but if not, I will stand for you. But if not, I will trust you. But if not... God, I pray for my brothers and sisters. I pray for friends here, dear Lord, that need to know you as their Savior. Please, dear Lord, help them not to be blinded by their adverse circumstances, by their adverse lot in this life. Please, dear God, let them hear and know the Word and and the love of God. Let them feel your love and your peace. Help them to let go today. Help them to let go and to let God. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Right before we're dismissed and she plays, I'm going to have someone pray to dismiss, but I, I, I had this quote the other day, and I don't know if it fits in here or not, but it came to my mind while I was preaching, so I just want to share it with you about pain, about suffering that we have to go through sometimes. There was someone, and this was somebody that, uh, if I'm not mistaken, they were, uh, they were being imprisoned uh, uh, by the Germans, by the Gestapo, um, they were going through a very difficult time. And they wrote this, Pain is a holy angel who shows us treasures 
that would otherwise remain forever hidden. Through him, men and women have become greater than through all the joys of the world. It must be so, and I tell myself this in my present situation over and over again, the pain of suffering and of longing which, I, which can often be felt, even physically, must be there. And we cannot need talk it away, but it needs to be overcome every time, and thus there's an even holier angel than the one of pain, and that is the one of joy in God. Finding contentment in God, but... Lord, help us to say, but if not, we will. But if not, then what? But if not, then what? 